Grab your Bibles and, and be seated if you would. We are in this series called The Proof. The proof of our lives that proves that God is a part of our lives. The proof of our lives that, that shows the evidence of God and who we are. And we've been using 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 as our text where Paul has been talking about the afflictions that he's going through, the trials that he's going through. And he's saying, this is our proof. This is how we prove who we are and what we are, how we are believers. And he gives this long list. We, we kind of honed in. I'm going to just kind of reread, start in verse number 3, and then kind of bring us to verse number 6 where we left off. It says, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault in our ministry and everything that we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights and gone without food. And he says this, we prove ourselves by our purity, by our understanding. God's power is working in us. He says in the next verse, he, he, he's saying, hey, look, we, we've got these things. We, we are going through this life, and we're not going to tell you who we are. We're not going to just stand up here and demand that you recognize who we are. We're proving who we are by the way we do things. And we talked about it last week, the consistency in hardship, right? The consistency in the way we live, the consistency in the way we minister. And then we talked a little bit in this service about the purity, being pure from the inside out. And today, if you go back and look at verse number six, the next words were, we're not just proving by our purity, we're proving by our understanding. Now, I, I, I love this. Garrett does this often. We do this quite a bit where we try to tell everybody, hey, here's the best way to study God's word, right? We, I have four, he has three, his three combined my last two. Um, but we, we, we've been trained and, and, and taken lessons on how do you study God's word. Now, I'm not gonna review this in detail. I want you to write these four questions down that you look at to gain understanding as you're going through God's word. When you're reading it, number one, you're asking the question, what does it say? You just read the story for what it says. How many of you have found that there are some really cool stories in the word of God? And they're all really good, by the way. Uh, but there are some that just pop off that page and it's like, if they made a movie about this, this would be good TV, right? Like this would be amazing. Only God can do something like that. And so we read it and we see what it says. We're not trying to figure anything out. We're just seeing what the word of God has to say. Then the next thing that we're looking for is what does it mean? That's observation. We're looking at it and saying, okay, what does this passage actually mean? A lot of people miss up right here on that, on that phase because we've been taught so many times that the Bible means what it says. No, the Bible means what it means. All right, can you say that with me? The Bible means what it means. You, why is that important? Because Jesus himself used four or five different teaching styles and different methods when he was training people. Sometimes he would use what we call a parable, an untrue story with a powerful meaning. A, 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 a parable is just, hey, let, let's pretend there were these two people and they're out working. He would start parables. Hey, and by the way, if you want to recognize a parable in the Bible, they, they never use proper names. All right. They're, they're, they're typically, hey, one day there were these two and one day there were these things. Another thing's analogies. Right. How, how many of you have heard this? Some plant, some water but God gets an increase. What was Paul saying? He's using an analogy of, hey, when we sow, we reap, right? And, and, and sometimes in ministry, you are in the plow season and you're not in the plant season or you're in the plant season and you're not in the water season. And, and, and what that means is you might not see the results of your work, but guarantee God does not let his word return void or vain. See the analogy there? And, and sometimes he just used straight up stories. Like, hey, there was a rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man had everything he wanted, but Lazarus only ate crumbs from the table. Both died. One was carried by the angels, Lazarus, into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man in hell lifted his eyes, being in torments and flames, and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he could dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am tormented. True story. True story, I've heard people say parable. Nope, there's a proper name. Lazarus has an identity. Well, then why didn't the rich man get an identity? Here it is, you want a good nugget? Let me throw a free sermon at you. Because absent Christ, you have no identity. In eternity, you've got nothing. 
He is the identity, right? And in heaven, one day we get a new name written on a white stone. We get new lives, new bodies. We get clothed in different ways. Everything changes. Our identity is not who we are. I don't know about you, but I thank God for that. Our identity is who Jesus Christ has made us, right? And so we look at that and we see literal service. All right, that's the observation. What does it mean? Then application. How does this apply to my life? That's the third question. Write that down if you've never heard it. How does this apply to me? In other words, where does this enter into my life? I've heard so many people get messed up because they're like, well, the Old Testament has no meaning. That's such a lie. He wouldn't put it in there if it didn't have meaning. But I'm telling you this right now, you can find yourself in a lot of passages of the Old Testament. I mean, I can see myself, I tell people all the time, David kind of reminds me of my faith sometimes. The whole book of Psalms, most of it, you hear David start with, life is hard, right? Let's just put it that way. He says, oh, woe is me. Oh, my friends hate me. Oh, they come against me. God, my enemies surround me. He always seems to start with a broken heart, but the same passage, that same chapter, that same song will end in praise. But you, God, are a refuge. You, God, are constant. You, God, are present. And he teaches us that, hey, you're going to have emotionally bad days, but at the end, it's got to return to the praise of God, that God is good. And hey, he's going to get you through. He's going to make it through. Circumstances are not forever, but God is. And so David kind of teaches us how we can have bipolar faith and still be stable. How we can go back and forth. David teaches us how we can be a sinner and still stand in the presence of God, holy and redeemed. Why? Because your faith is in him and not in you. Say amen to that. That's good. So that's application. How does this apply to me? Last one, and this is the one that he combines with application, is correlation. Where in the Bible can I find a a truth or a scripture that will back this up? Does that make sense? So um, let's say this. In the Old Testament, you see a lot of stories that are set in the stage for Jesus. I mean, you see Moses in this leading people out of Egypt is a literal symbolism, although real, symbolism of Jesus Christ leading us out of the captivity of sin. You see all these transitions and all these things, and you can always find in a part of the Bible something that will amplify or back up or support something else in the Bible. Write this down. The Bible never contradicts itself, ever. It always supports itself. I heard someone say this. I wish I was smart enough to come up with these things. The best commentary for the Bible is the Bible. There's great commentaries, Matthew Henry's and others, commentaries where somebody has taken the Bible, and matter of fact, if you've got a study Bible in your laps now, you have commentary in the bottom. Somebody has taken it and said, this is what I believe it means. What is dangerous is to believe the commentary over the scripture, because the commentary still comes from man, humankind, and it's still got capabilities of having different opinions and being messed up. You got it? Say got it. But God never contradicts himself. And so, yes, it's good to have support. Matter of fact, you're getting a commentary of God right now. That's what this sermon is. It's a commentary. Now, it's coming from a human capable of mistake and not the smartest dude in the room. Does that make sense? I'm pursuing God with everything I've got. But some of you are way smarter than I could ever be. And your interpretations in your mind, that's why it's so good that we get together in small groups. And that's why it's so good that we have conversations beyond these stages. I, I even told some of the ladies yesterday or Friday night that the, the, your, your breakout session, your lesson doesn't start on this stage. It starts on how you're treating people as they're coming through the door. It starts in getting around. Why? Because they need to see. And sometimes in conversation, I realize these words, and, and they're very hard for me to swallow. Ready? Sometimes I do realize that I get it wrong. Anybody else ever realize that too? Anybody else ever realize that about their husband? They get it wrong or... Don't raise your hand on that. All right, here we go. So in understanding, when we get to this, and Paul said, we, we prove ourselves by our understanding, by our understanding. And so I started thinking, how do we gain understanding? All right, write this down. Ready? How do we get that? Number one, we have a willingness to learn. That's why I gave you those four questions. The word of God is so cool to me. I can read it, and all of a sudden, certain things start breaking out. You know, we're, we're, we're in a verse that literally has created six points in a sermon for me. And when it comes to six points in a sermon, it means that it has convicted my life on my daily walk before we got to this moment. It's invaded my thought process. The Holy Spirit has brought it to my attention. How many of you have ever read the Word of God and then you're like, whoa, that's how I should handle my finances? Whoa, that's what it is. But if you're just reading it to read the story and, and your devotion life just looks like, okay, Samson cut his hair. All right, we'll see you later. I know the story. Did you learn? 
You learned a story, but did you learn anything that would change your life? I've literally had people come to me now and say, God has told me not to cut my hair or I'll lose the anointing. No, you missed the point. That is not what God is teaching us through Samson. You know what God is teaching us through Samson? Guys, let me talk to you very boldly for a second. Stay away from certain women. All right? You say, well, I'm not a man. Stay away from certain influence. The influence of your life can totally wreck and havoc on your ministry and your calling. You know what else we find? Obey God. If God says, don't cut your hair, Samson, don't cut your hair. But sometimes we get these feelings and emotions that we're going to be closer to God if we just grow everything out. And if we just do this and and we'll catch these winds of, oh my goodness, if I could just prove that I love God. And we go to these extremes. And you know what Paul said? There's so many people that go through these things and require things of you that make you feel like you're right with God because they require such conviction and devotion. But they are worthless. You know why? Because you do not stand before God holy because of what you do. You stand before God holy because you believed him and did something because of him. Does that make sense? Don't go to heaven exhausted. Go to heaven having served God in obedience. Your willpower will, will burn you down. It'll burn you out. But those that do the will of God, what do they do? They abide forever. And so understand this as we're looking and I want an understanding on it. I got to have a willingness to learn, a willingness to do it maybe a different way and not somebody else's opinion way, but God's way. All right. So say it with me. Number one, if you want understanding, you got to have ready a willingness to learn. Say it again. Ready? A willingness to learn. One more time. A willingness to learn. You say, why are you making us repeat that one? Because I hear so much in the church. Well, this is the way I've always done it. This is the way we've always done it. Let's change up the order of service, but this is the way we've always done it. Now, thankfully, I don't hear that here. Y'all are so adapting, and I love that. We, we can pivot on a dime and know that God's going to move. We can call meetings that, that, that might start a little difficult but end in love and grace, and I love y'all for that. And the thing is, is if we have a willingness to learn, we can go so far. Matter of fact, the possibilities are limitless. But when you think you know it all, you close yourself to any understanding that would help you. And Paul said, we are proving ourselves by our understanding. Another way I wrote this down is an openness and awareness to the Holy Spirit. An openness and awareness. How do I gain understanding? Is I'm listening to the Holy Spirit to change my mind, to change my thought process. That means I don't always get to say the thing I want to say or do the thing I want to do. Because the Holy Spirit will sometimes come in here and say, don't say that. How many of you have ever done this? You walked into an appointment or you walked into a meeting and you were ready to go. Anybody ever done that? And what I mean by that is you had this agenda and it doesn't mean bad, but you had this lesson, you had this plan, you had this agenda of what you were going to teach. And then you get there and God radically changes you in the moment. How many of you have ever had that happen? You know, I'm sure that if we got Pastor Chris or Garrett or Wade or Pastor DJ up here and we asked them, how many times has your sermon audibled in the middle of a service? Every one of us would have to say yes. You get to the end and you're like, why didn't I read that point? It was so good. And the Holy Spirit was like, good for you. (laughs) Not good for them. So the thing is, is if I'm going to be a, a person gaining understanding, then I have to have an openness and awareness of the Holy Spirit moving in my life. Now, oftentimes we hear in church these words where we say, um, I heard God speak to me. How many of you have ever said that? Or how many of you have heard somebody say that? God told me. How many of you had that? So if you hand up. I was sitting with a man actually in an agent interview for real estate. An hour and a half of it was us in confession of our past in celebration of God's present. Isn't that cool? His presence in my present. And we had a similar story. And so we were sitting there and he was pouring it out. And I was like, hey, before you join our team, there's some things you need to know about me and my family. Number one, we believe in Jesus Christ. Our team. Number two, we're not perfect. You're going to find that out. By the way, can I tell you this? If you'll tell people that you're not perfect, Satan won't get to. If you hide it, he will. Am I right? All right. Be sure your sins will what? find you out. So get them out before they find you out. Isn't that a good thing? Confession is good for the soul. 
It's good for the heart, but it's also good for the family and everything else. So we're sitting here and we're, we're, we're talking and we're, we're having this moment. And he made a statement that was so real in my life. He said, I remember the moment that God told me, you have to tell her. And he, I thought, I'm going to lose everything. I had that same moment. I'm going to lose everything. And I said to him, but then the Holy Spirit invaded my life with this word. You may gain it all. You may lose everything, but you may gain everything too. So what does it mean when we say we heard God? I often try to describe it in my life this way. It's the voice that comes into my head when my head ain't right, and I know it ain't me thinking that way. There was a lot of good grammar in there. I hope y'all caught every word of it. <laughs> it's the thing that invades your moment, right? Have you ever been sitting there and writing, and you're trying to come up with a perfect thing, and then all of a sudden something pops in your head? You ever been working on something, and you can't figure it out? Anybody ever done this? Step back and just say, God, show me. And the next thing you know, you start to have these thoughts of how things should operate and, and, and you're actually fixing something you had no clue about. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? That's what it means to hear God. And can God speak in different ways? Yes. Can you hear him through reading his word? By the way, can I tell you this? You're probably not going to recognize his voice in your head if you haven't recognized his voice in his word. And if the word is not a part of your life, then there's a good chance you don't understand the echo of God as he speaks to you through nature, as he speaks to you through others, as he speaks to you through his Holy Spirit. I'll, I'll tell you right now, the word of God might not make sense to you, but keep reading it, keep observing it, keep thinking it, because you'll learn the language of God, the heartbeat of God, and then you'll recognize God when he shows up to speak. And so all of a sudden you'll hear these thoughts and you do this and you got to stay open to that. Um, anybody ever had the awkward moment with the Holy Spirit when he asks you to speak to a stranger and asks you to say something that you don't even know if it's correct? Uh, I've often, I always tell this story at this point when I'm teaching this. It's like, hey, listen, um, one time in Walmart, I'm standing there and God told me to turn around and tell the person behind me that their, their marriage was. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't even know this person. Like, uh, I mean, I was white knuckled grip to this buggy. We're in the South for all you Yankees um, shopping cart, right? And, and, and uh, I was like, no. And I wanted to turn around and see if they had a ring and I couldn't. And I'll never forget the moment turning around and actually making that statement. And what God did from that moment, that person accepted Christ on a bench right there in the front of the Walmart and, 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 and told that just a few days ago that their spouse had confessed to a 20-year-old affair. And that they literally were standing there thinking that they couldn't do this anymore. And you're like, oh, Pastor Josh, you're so good. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit's really good. Right. And in that moment, you say, God told me to tell you this. You ever had that nudge in a drive through line to pay for the car behind you? You ever had that, that, that thought that says, hey, maybe you buy the groceries of the person in the aisle next door? Maybe you pick up something special for a family. You, you know what you're hearing? The Holy Spirit, stay open. But have you ever heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, something's dangerous here, get out? You ever heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, stop talking, it's not being received? You ever heard the Holy Spirit go the opposite direction? And so if you're going to gain understanding, I got to have an openness to realize that my mind is limited. I can only get so much knowledge, but wisdom comes from God. What did Solomon ask God for? God asked Solomon, what do you want? I'll give you anything in the world. And he said what? He wanted wisdom. You know what he was saying is, I know I can have anything, but the one thing I can't get from this world, only you can give, and that is wisdom. Now, write this down. Really get this quick. Wisdom is being able to see, process, and respond from God's point of view and not your own. It's a heavenly presence in a situation. How many of you got that? Say got it. All right. Okay, three of you. How many of you got that? Say got it. All right. All right. Good. All right. So look at this. So I, I, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. Number three, write this down. I study and I we've already kind of gone through those four questions. It, get in the word of God. The word of God needs to get into you. All right. And so it's like, hey, I, I get into the word of God until the word of God gets into me. And once the word of God gets into me, it invades my actions, it invades my words, it invades my heart, it invades everything I do. Get into his word, it'll get into you. Don't get into his word and don't be surprised when you can't recall it. When we were working with our kids on that song, as the spirit was moving over the water, spirit come rest, uh, move over us, we were actually going through a process of, do you know what this song means? And we literally took line by line in different little segments and we taught them what that means because what good does it do? to stand up here and say, Holy Spirit, come down on us. You're all we want. What do we mean by that? You know, what is that? What, what, what are we actually praying for? This is a prayer. 
What did it mean when God's spirit moved over the waters? That The spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you study scriptures, was involved in creation and water had no current until the Holy Spirit moved on it. And now it's the most feared force of nature on the face of the planet. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit moved over the oceans, all kinds of currents and waves were started that could not and have not been stopped ever since the day he touched it. And if that's how he can move oceans, then touch my heart and move my life. Touch and fall in me. And we want them to understand that. And so we said, you know, how many of you have test anxiety? Who in the room had test anxiety? Anybody like, yeah, I did. And we said, you know, you need to pray and ask God to calm you. And the Holy Spirit help you as you take your test. And I said, but we're not praying for miracles. Don't ask God to move on your life and say, God, help me pass this test if you never studied. How many of you agree that God is gracious, but God is responsible too? And in being responsible, God will definitely do miracles in your life. But God does not want you to be totally reliant on bailouts without having any desire to be dedicated and committed to him. And so here it is. Don't go into your math test and algebra test and say, okay, God, Holy Spirit, rest on me, having not studied, and then get mad at God when you get a big fat zero on that test. Who earned the zero? But you can go into that moment and say, Holy Spirit, calm my nerves and bring to remembrance the things that I have learned. There's a difference, right? And so I think a lot of people are saying, God, change my husband. Change my marriage. Change my finances. But they have no ability to ask God to bring to remembrance the things that they've learned because they've not sought God when it comes to the relationship with their husband or wife or their finances. Do you understand where we're at today? Understanding says, I have a need, I'll search and find. I once heard it said in a sermon, don't ask God for a sign when he's given you thousands of scriptures that you've never even looked at. When he has sent you tons of text messages that are still in your inbox. Pick it up and say, instead of saying, God, give me a sign, maybe we say, God, give me a verse. Let me seek you. And then lastly, we put it into application. That's how we gain understanding. How do you know you know when you can do something with it? All right? So understand this. In the past week, and we'll close. We're almost at closing. Um, so I want you to grab this. In the past two days, actually three months, they've been working for this. They've been talking about this coming to the table. Matter of fact, in Psalm 23, you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. All right, matter of fact, let's go there real quick. I think I've got it right here, and I want you to look at it real quick. And you, 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 you put it in front of me. You lay it in the King James Version is my favorite thing. In, in, in NLT, it says he, you prepare a feast. King James Version, you prepare a table. So flip over there with me real quick in your, in your scripture. I know I didn't give this to you, but let's look at the screen. It says you've got this feast. In King James, you prepare this table. Keep reading it. If you, you honor me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. All right, now grab this, and I want you to understand, and we're going to stay right there in verse number five. In our lives, sometimes we, we believe, if we're not careful, that everything we need is at this table. And I, they've set this, and they did a good job. This, they did some real foods, so if anybody wants some grapes or something, there's muffins, there's chocolate eclairs, and it's almost like Jesus is on this side of the table and temptation's on that side, so you might want to sit here. But in this, I know, and I kept thinking about the seat that God's prepared for us. And anybody else totally humbled by the fact God wants you at his dinner table. Like, that's an intimate place. Last night, rare occasion, we got to sit down with all our family at the table and just eat. And conversations happen at the table, right? Um, some of our, our, our major conversations happen in our kitchen. Anybody else like that? Seems to be the hub of the home. And, 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 and you get in there and you sit down and you become intimate. And that's what y'all talked about a little bit. And you become personal with God. You become one. There's something about when somebody says, will you go eat with me? That just brings an equality into the life. Would you agree? And while God is a person that wants to spend with you and he's got blessings and these foods, I heard Libby, um, I snuck into Friday night and sat on the stairs where nobody could see me and listen to the sermon. And um, it was awesome. And as she was saying, you know, they, they, there's some blessings. There's some goodness that God wants to give you. 
He wants to nurture you. He wants to feed you. And he wants to provide for you. You know why I believe a lot of people never feel like they'll ever get to the table of God is they, they feel totally unworthy to be there. Now, anybody else join me and say this, that my sins have been as scarlet. They've been like crimson. And the weight that we carry because of the mistakes that we made sometimes keep us from experiencing the worthiness and holiness of a righteous, caring, loving God. And so the one thing I went to Libby with and I said, what's the last thing most people do before they eat? Wash their hands. Wash their hands. So then I was reminded of a verse that we brought up last week, and I'll get them to flash here. In five, he says, not only does he give us this table, but he anoints our, our head. He, he covers us. And, and if you know anything about sheep, the anointing was more for protection. Um, it kept the pestilence away. And matter of fact, there's a right now media, which we offer to you for free. So get on there. Thousands of Bible studies. You in, tons of movies for your kids, different things you can get in. As a matter of fact, they'll be at that back table with a little QR code later for you to scan. It's free. My favorite number here, free. And it's ways you can dive into God and, 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 and learn and grow. But on there, there's one called Lead Like a Shepherd. And in Lead Like a Shepherd, it says that the sometimes has to take the, the, the sheep into a trough area. And literally to anoint the sheep, it has to shove the sheep's head uh, continually down in this oil. And the sheep will fight it the entire time that they are trying to anoint it. And what the sheep doesn't understand is what the shepherd's trying to provide and what he's trying to give is a protection for all those attacks that'll come because sheep don't have long tails and abilities to keep flies and gnats and stuff from invading their eyes and wool and, and, and getting all up in them. And so they don't have that horse's tail, that cow tail. They can't flick, they can't do. And without the anointing, they are totally vulnerable to being driven crazy by the pestilence in the world. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind because of all the trials and tribulations and attacked that the enemy's brought into my life. Any me too's in the room. And then I love this. He anoints me. He, he protects me. There's a Holy Spirit coating put on your life to keep you from going insane in a messed up, broken, dark world. There's a gift that God has given us. And, and sometimes like a sheep fighting a shepherd because we feel like the shepherd's drowning us. What we don't realize is our shepherd is trying to protect us. And sometimes the testing and the trial and the circumstances are testing so that we can come out on the other side stronger and more safe. Protected them before. When we get that understanding, sometimes we'll say, okay, God, if we're going into deep waters, I'll go. If we're facing giants today, I'll sling. If we're, if we're going to feed the homeless and, and, and just take care of those that nobody cares about today, I will serve because God, you lead me. You're my shepherd. I have everything I need in you. So you lead me to green pastures. You lead me to still waters. You restore my soul. That's who you are. And then you prepare this table and you anoint me. You make me worthy. An anointing in the Bible was also used for two other things in Scripture. Number one, to show the calling of God. We saw that with David as he was anointed to be king. That God was saying through Samuel that this is my chosen. Aren't you glad that he's anointed you today? His chosen. As we hear in other passages of Scripture, you've been brought into his kingdom for such a time as this. To do an incredible work right here. And then you also see the anointing. It illustrates the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, they're anointed? That was the best compliment I got Friday night was a lady who came last second, came with her daughter-in-law. She wasn't able to come back Saturday, but she was leaving. And she said, that was anointed tonight. What I love by that is I heard a whole sermon um, as Libby was listening to it, she didn't know I was eavesdropping um, on a work day on, on how we have traded in the anointing of God for the talent of mankind. And, and, and in the truth, there's something powerful that can happen when we're anointed by the Holy Spirit, but there's not much that can be done through talents and abilities. We can entertain, but we cannot change anybody's life. Y'all with me? And so as I was thinking about the table, I thought about how many times in my life that I didn't have the understanding of what that represented. That all this, and not necessarily 
the food. Matter of fact, there's bread and Jesus declared himself the bread of life. His word is, is sought as, as the bread. Matter of fact, the first temptation of Jesus was to turn a stone into bread. Matter of fact, can I tell you this? Satan's gonna find where you're the weakest and he's gonna try to tell you to give up who you are right there. And that's what he was doing. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and, and so Satan comes in and attacks the needs of his life. Turn that stone into bread. You know, that might sound to you like trade your husband in. I mean, come on now, be with me. That might sound like to you to go to the back room and dial up something on the internet because it's been so long since y'all have had any kind of intercourse that, whoa, man, you deserve it. No, you don't. It, you know what Satan's saying? That's a rock. That's what you need to realize. It's a rock. It's not nourishing. It's not food. It's a rock. And Satan's trying to say this rock can be more than a rock. No, it can't. It's a rock. And I'm telling you, some of us right now need to look at our lives and realize that some of the temptations Satan's throwing at you, quit your job, walk out. If somebody talked to me like that, I'd never be back, right? How many of you have heard that, right? I'd be done. That's a rock. It's a rock. And all it'll ever be is a rock. And all it'll do is hurt you or take you down. And he'll say, this can be something different. No, it's a rock. Leave it alone. And Jesus said, you're the bread. He's the bread. I'm the bread. The word's the bread. And David said, taste the Lord and see that he's good. So when we get this understanding, we start to realize what it is. We know that the table represents an equality. It represents a worth. It represents who we are. But we have to have an understanding of one thing, that in order to get to the table, you don't get worthy here. And I think a lot of people think, I can't sit at the table because I'm not worthy. I know my, some of my best friends will never eat with me because they don't like eating with people because of insecurity in their life. Right? Does that make us less than friends? No, but what they need to know is even if you eat gross, I don't care. I'll eat with you. Even if you have bad habits, I'll eat with you. Because the, only, the truth of the matter is I invited you to dinner because I love you, but I go to dinner because I love food. Any amens to that? Hey, I'm, I, I, as long as you don't sneeze on my food, I'm good. You know, like I, I'm really good to go. I think this is the understanding. The cleansing and the worthiness doesn't come from there. It comes from here. Matter of fact, I don't think it's an accident that Jesus' first miracle was taking the hand-washing water and turning it into wine. Taking the pits and vessels that they used to clean their hands and feet because they walked in desert areas. They would get nasty coming in. That in order to eat or to order to enter a house, you had to wash. And Jesus said, Go bring me those vessels, those nasty vessels that represent where all the dirt goes, represents where all the filth goes, and let's, let's use those to pour out some wine. I think it's important today that you understand that if you're going to come to the table, that you've got to go through the blood and you've got to go through the washing. That your worthiness isn't found by who you sit with or what placement you have or the fact that you feel like you belong or the fact that you feel like you're enough or the fact that you feel like you've earned it. It doesn't come through any of those things. Matter of fact, in, 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 in Isaiah chapter number one, verse number 18, we talked about this last week. He says, come, let us reason together. In the NLT, he says, let's settle this. Let's settle this. Hey, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as wool. Settle it. And I think maybe some of you ladies might have left the conference wanting the holiness, wanting that connection, wanting that personal relationship with God, yet still feeling unworthy and it's still the same. You gotta wash your hand. Let's get this junk off of you. Let's get this past off claiming who we used to be and letting everybody else remind us of where we've been. And let's get washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's get made right in who he is. And then nobody is able to take away the worthiness that you find from the washing of Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse, if you would. In verse 19, he says, if you will only obey me, you will have plenty to say it. Eat. Oh God, that we would understand that it's through what Jesus Christ has done for us, we get our seat. It's through the love that he shows for us, we get our value. 
that the personal relationship has nothing to do with what was on your hands as you came to Christ. It has everything to do with what he has taken away. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Remember that old hymn, have you been to Jesus for your cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Look at this next verse. We're almost done. See how Jerusalem, once so faithful, has become a prostitute. Once the home of justice and righteousness, now filled with murderers. Let's keep rolling. Once like pure silver, you've become like worthless slag. Once so pure, you are now like watered down wine. Hi. I like the next couple verses and we'll be out the door. Just keep rolling, Casey. Go to the next one. Your leaders are rebels. The companion of thieves, all of them love bribes and demand payoffs, but they refuse to defend the cause of orphans and fight for the rights of widows. You know what he's saying? It's like, hey, listen, you're living in your own power and it doesn't produce anything good. You're living in your nature and it only produces things that are bad. You know what he was saying? And this is in a time pre the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He's saying, hey, we need to get back to the covering of Christ in our lives. Can I give you some understanding on this? Ladies, as you conclude your, your, your weekend, guys, as you're being brought into it as they're coming home, I believe there's many that'll stand before God and here depart from me. I never knew you because they tried to find a seat at the table, but they didn't go through the sun to get there. I believe there's some in this room that are trying to find their standing and trying to find their growth in Christ, and they're wondering why. It's because you're trying to prove your worth instead of just being made worthy through Christ. He traded our sinful rags and clothed us in his righteousness. I read through my wife's outline, and in there she had this two words, stop and start. Stop and start. In Ephesians, we find these two phrases, take off the old, put on the new. And at some point of our lives, we've got to understand that when we're coming to God, we do not wash our hands to go back out and work on the car. We wash our hands to come and eat. We wash our hands to be full. We wash our hands to do this. You know what I love about that passage of scripture there in Isaiah? It says, I, the Lord, have spoken. He's saying, hey, look. Let's do this. And here, here's some things that are, have to be true. Write this down. Coming to the table, being washed, you've got to realize you're washed. You've got to realize you're clean. You've got to accept the fact that God has made you right. How far has God cast your sins? As far as the east is from the west. He's cast them into a sea of forgetfulness. I like this phrase as David wrote it. Never to be remembered again. Some of our marriages washing. But you don't know what he did and she did. I, okay, listen. We can always go back to where you've been, or we can go to where you've never been before. Which do you want? We can always go back to the version of you pre-Christ, or we can just go with Christ to levels you've never gone before. I believe once we understand that, we got to be intentional. Write that word down, intentional. I am a son of God. Any sons of God in the room with me? I am a son of God. Any daughters of God in the room today? I am a daughter of God. Intentional means I believe it. I've accepted it. And I know that my worthiness and holiness does not come from what I can do, but what God has done through Jesus Christ for me. And because he is holy, I can be holy. Because he first loved us, I can love others. It's because of him that I am anything that I am. Hey, we used to say it this way. I am who the I am says I am. I am who he has declared, not what I declare. And I got to be intentional and I got to realize that, hey, I don't just come to the table at one point in my life. I got to come every day and sometimes multiple times a day. Who in here eats one meal a day? Okay. I am not you. <laughs> who in here has multiple meals a day? All right. That's the next one. Where's my snackers? 
right? Like the in-betweeners. You don't get to looking like this unless you act like this, all right? That's the thing. Yeah, it, now, I'm not saying go overeat, but what I am simply saying is this, is, you know, sometimes I need more in my tank. Now, if you're the type that's healthy, let's be honest, you have to feed yourself in order to grow yourself. Am I right? It, you can't just go lift weights all the time, go run all the time and not eat anything. You will not survive it. You will not have muscle growth. You got to have some proteins. You got to have some different things in life. You got to live intentionally. You know, you know, matter of fact, can we just write this in there? Most of our lives never get better because we don't put any intentional effort into it. And I'm going to say this. Our faith sometimes seems totally dry and wasted because we have no intentionality of saying, you know what? I am so tired of sitting at the kid's table or at the world's table or at everybody else's table. I'm just going to get to God's table and let's get some good food here. Let's be fed by his opinions, his thoughts. Let's be captured by who he is. And let's, let's get some eye contact with Jesus. Let's get some intimacy with him. And let's realize that he is not sitting there saying, I've got a table sometimes. He's saying, in the presence of enemies, I got a table. Even when you don't deserve it, I got a table. When you're far from me, I got a table. When you're broken, I got a table. When you're the sheep that wanders away, I'll leave 99 at the table to go get you and bring you back to the table. God desires for you to be at the table. But let me ask you, how often do we actually go sit at his table and eat? Because I'll be honest with you, if I'm real, I'll feast on the opinions of others a lot more sometimes than I will feast on the truths of God. I'll feast on the fear in the world a lot more than I'll feast on the peace of God that passes understanding. The judgment of the world's easy to get into. It's easy to look down on somebody else. It's easy to say, oh my goodness, I can't stand it. It's easy to get mad, isn't it? Anybody else in here got temper if you're not careful? Anybody else in here lying and not admitting you have a temper? Yeah. The thing is, is I'm washed Someone be intentional. God, give me understanding. And here's the greatest understanding you can ever have at any time, in any shape, in any form, in any fashion. You have the ability to come sit here. Say, God, meet me here. You say, what's that look like? The word's got to be involved. How many of you, I love my mother-in-law. She's probably watching this. But you know what feeds my mother-in-law? Not her food. And they're all sitting up there, so I'm not alone if she is watching this, okay? I'm at, Leslie's here, Nathan's here, and Jordan. I'm, we're all four going to go down with this one. My mother-in-law will grab the smallest plate we have in our kitchen to put the food she spent four or five hours cooking on. Am I right? And she'll sometimes not even eat it. And, 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 and sometimes it'll sound like this. Well, I, I know, you know, it, this might not be, that's not, that's not how I normally make that, or I didn't do this, or I didn't do that. And, you know, I, it, it's almost like she's scared we're not going to enjoy it. But I'll, I'll say this proudly. There's never been a meal that that woman has made that I didn't like, right? I have, I've become double the man since I married into this family, <laughs> all right? She trained my wife well. Her son is the same way. They are phenomenal cooks. I am not. But the one thing that will set that woman up is if you'll look at her and say, that was good. That was really good. What you made was amazing. And although she has a little bit of her dad where he doesn't take compliments well, neither does she, she'll, she'll give you a grunt or she'll give you a noise, which means she hurt. You know what I've learned? If you want the woman to keep cooking, enjoy the cooking she's cooking. Come on now. If you want somebody in your life to stay in your life, enjoy the moments that you have with them in your life. And tell them. And what if sometimes we entered into his courts with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and we came and we sat down at God's table and said, man, the meat you make is awesome. You have spiritually filled me in a way that I never thought possible. That is the best. How many of you have ever heard this? You read a devotional, you read a sermon, you heard a lesson, you heard a song and you literally got hit by, wow, that's the most incredible thing I've ever experienced. How many of you have been at the table with God and ate a meal that blew your mind when it came to your spirit. How many of you have been there? You know what I loved about the women's conference? 
and I looked for it today, is that with all their distractions, and I know my wife and many of you ladies are well overloaded with your workloads and home loads and things you carry. Without all the kids running around or having to worry about the meal, and that's what we try to do is take it all out where they had to worry about nothing. We saw a lot more hands in the air and a lot more praise go on. And when I took my earpieces out to listen to them worship, the sound in this room was incredible. You know where that comes from? It comes from an intentionality of saying nothing else matters except right now getting you into the presence of God. And when you get there, guess what comes? Praise. How many of you can say today, God's been good? You know what Paul's writing about here in 2 Corinthians 6? He has understanding. You know what understanding means? Hey, I've been beaten, left for dead, worked to exhaustion, not had sleepless nights. I've had all these moments in my life that were terrible. But God is working in us, and it is awesome. And I thought to myself as I read that passage, my understanding is not where it needs to be. And maybe it's because I have forgotten that I've been here. And because of what God has washed me in, I have a seat here. Some of you just need to get here, get in his word, get in some praise and worship, get in a relationship with him, and let him feed you. And you may sit there and say, well, I really don't understand the Bible. Hey, ready, ready? Me too. That's why I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why I need to rely on other believers. That's why I go to church. That's why I'm seeking God, because I don't necessarily understand everything. And here's some good news. The Bible even says not that everybody's going to understand every jot and tittle that's written in there. That's some old language, and I know that that's not how we speak right now. But let's just say this. You're not going to understand everything that God is trying to say, but if you could just get a nugget, it'd be pretty good. The other day, I was bringing home Chick-fil-A for the family, and uh, I'm not going to lie, they might have had a few less nuggets when it got there. I was on my way to the church Friday to help them set up and finish and went to Krispy Kreme and ordered a dozen of their Valentine's donuts. And they forgot to put three in or three fell out. I don't know what happened by the time it got here. The thing is this, is sometimes you don't have to eat the whole box, but just a few satisfies. I'm telling you right now, stop trying to figure out everything about God. Get washed in the blood of God. Get at the table of God. You'll learn things there. Be fed there. You'll grow from there. But stop thinking you have to understand it all before you taste anything. Get there. Anybody else in here like me, my prayer this week has been, God, help me to grow in understanding. Like, I, I, I don't want to know more. Understanding is not knowing more. It's getting right the things you know. It's like, hey, I, I don't need more knowledge. Yes, I do. But that's not what I'm seeking in understanding. I just, God, I want to do right by the things I have. I want to I enjoy where I am and what you've given me, I want to understand these things because I promise you this, once you understand how this works, you can add to it. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Just close. Is there anybody in the room today that would be with me this week in my prayer life and as I've been seeking God, God, I need more understanding. Help me to have understanding in the things you're teaching me. Would you slip your hand up? Is there anybody like that saying, I want to understand you more, your process more? What about this? I'm gonna, God, help me understand the loved ones I have in my life a little bit more. Give me understanding. Help me to be intentional in trying to learn who they are. What, what about this one? God, help me to understand more your grace and mercy and love towards me so that I can walk in the value and glory and honor that you have instead of walking in the shame and guilt that I've created. Anybody else slip a hand up there and say, God, give me some understanding there. Just to know him more would change everything in our lives. Stand with me, grab somebody's hand. Let's close in a word of prayer. Amen. Hey, I do want to say this. I'm going to echo it. Women of Joy tickets, right? And online, we're going to keep you online. Let me, let me finish before we go. The reason we only have five is we have to order these a year in advance. We have to pay for them a deposit a year in advance. And so there's only five. If you want to go to Women of Joy, get involved in that and go. We are pivoting here to our youth conference. What's up, man? Just saw Greg and Brandon up there. Awesome. All right, hey, we're pivoting. I, I lose squirrel, all right? Our youth conference is coming up in two months. I think that's what you were telling me, the date. And David's normally right there, and he's not there. Um, we are, yeah, 60 days out. We're excited about that. We all start praying over that. We've already got like 45 teenagers showed up for this, signed up for this, and we're excited as that continues to grow. But if your teenager 
Can I, can I tell you this? And I don't mean this to be mad, but certain things should not be left optional to your kids. And their spiritual growth do not leave optional. And I, you know, and I hear people say, well, if we force it down their throat, they'll, they'll, they'll never go. Okay, can I tell you this? If you never put the spoon in their mouth, they'll never taste either. And, and, and so there can be extremes. And they learn this. Sometimes your kids are going to be like, I don't want to go. I get that. How many of you were the teenager that didn't want to go to something, right? Or how many of you are the grown-up that doesn't want to go to something because you're nervous? <laughs> yeah, we had one lady walk in and sit down. And she said, this is out of my comfort zone. Am I right? Yeah, but you know what? I'm so stinking proud of you for being there. What courage that took. What a win that was just in being there. And I, I'm praying God gave you something beyond that, but I was so proud of you. But the thing is, is my wife, she, you know, the past week of our lives has been diving into the thing. She came home a totally new woman last night because she had spoke and it was over, right? And, and, and so like, but there's so much knowledge in you ladies. Not just them, all around. If you're going against how you feel and you're saying, hey, well, I got to feel it to do it, you're not going to do a lot of things in your life. You'll never know how exciting 100 miles an hour is until you feel it. It legally on a, on a track, go with him. <laughs> go with Garrett. I got a state trooper standing over here. I got a guy that I've been in the car with that got me closer to Jesus because the way he drives. I mean, two opposing forces. Be praying over this teens conference and get them involved, okay? Get them involved. I know God always moves in these. We told them, and I'm going to tell you this this year, we are not coddling them this year. So we're not going to go this year and talk about how they feel. We're going this year and, and really focusing in on get this in your belief system. Build your life on this. And so it's not going to be the whole, what's going on? It's going to be, get this on. You know, get this on. And so I almost gave up the, the theme that yet. So it's awesome. All right, get there. We're excited. All right. Hey, after you leave today, go visit those tables that they, they've done a great job putting together. And, and just kind of fill out those ministries. If you've got a young son or you've got a teenage boy that you want some mentorship, you've got to get to that KOZ table. And there's so much others that are out there, restoration ministries. You just get a glimpse today of what those are. Visit those as you, as you leave. If you are a, a lead of those, get to that table as I pray. All right, can we do that? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and thank you for all that you've given us. We love you. We're so thankful for all the things that we've seen you do. God, there were so many ladies that worked so hard for 90 days on this thing. I pray that you'll renew their spirit, that there'll be some gratitude and different things given to them that um, will show our appreciation. Wow, they were definitely your tools used for your glory. We celebrate the one that accepted you, but today, God, we, we, we call out, we call out ourselves. Your Holy Spirit's moving, you're speaking in our lives. I pray that our minds and our hearts will open to seek that understanding, to gain that wisdom that you're providing. We love you. We celebrate all the things we see you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.